You're listening to the British Ballers, a fantasy football astronauts podcast. Before we begin the show today, we want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Expand the Box Score the number one sports statistics database on the internet. Expand the Box Score provides all the advanced data, stats, and production metrics to give you the edge in fantasy, dynasty, and DFS. We highly recommend heading over to expandtheboxscore.com and signing up today. Use our promo code ASTRO10 for a 10% discount on the subscription, making this an absolute steal. We'll now begin the show. Welcome to another episode of the British Ballers podcast. My name is Rich. You can follow me on Twitter at FFMiz1. Just before we get on with the show today, I just want to let our listeners know about a rebrand of the British Ballers podcast that you may have read about on Twitter this week. From early September, we will be rebranding to the Fantasy Wildcard podcast, where we'll be moving to weekly podcasts and adding a third member of the show, which will be Matt Thornton, who you can follow on Twitter at Matt FF Dynasty. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> uh, with me as usual is my co-host Kev. You can follow him on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Hello, Kev. Hello, Rich. How are you today? I'm good. You don't sound very wild, Cardi. I, I, I'm going to get in. Uh, I'm going to get in the in the mode for when we uh, switch over. You know. <laughs> All right, well, today we are delighted to be joined by another fantastic guest. We're joined by Lauren Carpenter, writer for Fantasy Footballers, Roto World and Fantasy Pros. Make sure you follow Lauren on Twitter at Stepmom Lauren. Lauren, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh my God, guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm not Matt, so he was <laughs> different than I do. I'm sure you have better takes than Matt, to be fair. <laughs> I have spicy takes, that's for sure. I'm not sure about Matt's boldness and his takes, but I have some spicy takes. Oh, I can see can't that. I can't wait for some of these. Uh, so today we're looking at, so this is the first show we've done on the British Ballers where we are looking at redraft rather than dynasty. So this is, we're delighted that Lauren's on to join us for our first ever British Ballers redraft show. And today we're going to be looking at redraft targets who Lauren and potentially Kev believe will outperform their ADP. So we'll jump straight into this, Lauren, and we're going to start at the quarterback position and the quarterbacks you believe will outperform their ADP in the 2020 season. So this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody who's followed any of my work, uh, but Matt Stafford, um, I love him this year. And by the way, before I continue on that, thank you so much for having me on your redraft show. I oh, really yes. appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> it makes me feel very special. <laughs> but um, my first quarterback, I think, is going to outperform his ADP, which is, um, oh gosh, um, I've seen him go anywhere from like the 12th round to the 14th round um, in redraft to single QB leagues. So he's late. 
Um, and I absolutely adore him this year. Last year, he was on pace to just basically blow Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson out of the water. And that was just in passing, not in running. So don't confuse me there. But or get confused with what I'm saying. I don't know. I mix words <laughs> up. That's what I do. But yeah, I really like him this year. There's a lot of healthy pieces. I like adding the uh, the addition of DeAndre Swift, I should say, kind of a pass catching running back out of the backfield. Plus, we know that Carryon Johnson's, you know, not exactly durable. So, yeah. you know, there's there's going to be some healthy pieces for him there. Um, I like it. I'm I'm targeting him everywhere I can. So I'm fully on board with this one. Um, I love Matt Stafford this year. So. Like you said, Lauren, he was on course last year, 38 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And I think it went, it sort of was uh, under the radar a little bit because he suffered that injury. And I'm guessing really that the sort of back injury he suffered is is really baked into his ADP this year. I think that risk is already in there. So I think he's the QB 13 coming off the board. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm snatching up Matt Stafford at that price. I don't know about you, Kev. Yeah, so in redraft, when you're looking at the QB position, you're thinking about ceiling um, because there's yeah. plenty of alternatives on the waivers. Now, Stafford last year was the QB six when healthy, and in five of his eight games, he was actually top six at the position as well. So you've got, like uh, like Lauren said, the Swift, who's an excellent pass catching back. You've got Hawkinson, who's a year older and healthier. You've got two top 25 wide receivers in Galladay and Marvin Jones. And it's a, it's a pretty decent start. You've got home game against Chicago and then a potential um, shootout in, in Green Bay and then a few other nice games before the bye. So, yeah. Matt Stafford, great, great start for me and well worth the uh, the pick. Yeah, I mean, you've both covered it there. I think I'm buying in on the whole uh, Detroit offence this year. So, Stafford, Galladay, Marvin Jones, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson. Um, just to quickly cover, I know, Lauren, you mentioned it on DeAndre Swift. I'm... I'm very confident that he takes over that backfield. When he was first drafted, I was as deflated as anyone with his landing spot. But um, the, the closer we get to the season, I do think it's only a matter of time before Swift takes over that backfield. Right. And so for, for Matt Stafford, too, just on the injury um, broken back situation, since 2011, except for year but from 2011 to 2018 he played all 16 games mm. and I don't know if you've seen any Lions games if you haven't I wouldn't blame you but he <laughs> literally gets hit with the equivalent of a Mack truck every single game and he's like dislocated shoulder you know like his eyeballs popped out it wasn't I'm just making that up and being facetious but he takes a beating every single game and hopefully they have an improved offensive line they think they do so protection for him is good but it literally took a broken back to get him yeah. off the field and I, I'm pretty sure he wanted to on and play anyway like just get rid of the vertebrae I don't need it you know that's kind of how, <laughs> how he rolls he's crazy he's insane yeah I'm I'm with it I didn't realize that is it that he played through that many injuries to be fair has he I think he's had back problems before before 2019 and he played through them I think I think I it was think only so, this yeah. time I think it was this time he was just literally told you know, you're not going to be able to play. He wanted to come back too. Like yeah. he wanted to keep playing, and they're like, "No, you, you're, you have a, you have a broken back. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not like a broken finger. This is a situation. Like, <laughs> he's crazy, and he's also the leader in um, fourth quarter comebacks too. So, you know, garbage time there, which is pretty awesome. And he's, he's stellar. I like him. Yeah, I, I think we're all completely on board with that one. So, if we move on to your second quarterback, Lauren. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. Weird, mm. right? I know. So another another quarterback, you know, potential Hall of Fame quarterback here that suffered injury last year. So we kind of forget about 
because of all the flashy names like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, blah, 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 which are all very good, by the way. But Ben Roethlisberger has really good pieces around him this year with Deontay Johnson, who I love. Speaking of late, we'll get that later. Um, And then Juju Smith-Schuster is back in the slot where he needs to be because he's not as good at creating separation and he needs to be in the slot and that's where he does well. So he's going to have that piece back together. James Washington is also healthy, although I don't believe fan is um you know they have eric ebert at tight end um you know they've got james connor so hopefully he stays healthy as well so i really like that offense and in 2018 he led the league in passing attempts mm-hmm. and 65 percent of them were to the wide receivers so there's a reason why i bring up deontay johnson but ren roethlisberger is no joke so hopefully um he stays healthy as well after his surgery but I, he's late he's going super late i love it and why not it, especially in if you're in a super flex or a two qb league these guys up too it doesn't even have to be single quarterback i love it yeah i think he's great especially in in two quarterback leagues or super flex leagues where especially in the in redraft leagues where it's two qb where mm-hmm. obviously you don't need to think too much into the future and pe- i think people reach a little bit for quarterbacks in redraft two quarterback leagues i think ben roethlisberg is a perfect second quarterback i mean i have some worries about the surgery i think he had surgery to attach three ligaments but it's only slight concerns, and um, I'll come to you, Kev, but that, that's literally it for me. I'm, I'm buying on everyone in the Pittsburgh offense pretty much, especially Deontay Johnson, but again, uh, we'll get to that later. I think, again, with his ADP, is worth the risk. I know there's some talk coming out of training camp that um, he's not throwing the ball with that much velocity, but we're, we're still just under a month away from the season. I'm not too worried about that at this point. So we'll come to you, Kev, on Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, so his last healthy season in 2018, he was the QB3 overall, which is obviously you need that ceiling at the quarterback position. Um, Like Lauren said, the weapons are fantastic. Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, if he's back to full health. I also think Ebron will be better than Vance. uh, And you've got some nice nice upside wide receivers in Washington or Claypool. Hopefully one of those breaks out and hits hits big for the Steelers. Plus, we're off Lisburg. You've got a favourable schedule up to week seven. My only concern is the elite defence that the Steelers have, and I wonder if that would limit his upside to be a QB1 consistently. Uh, yeah, potentially. It's a good it's a good question um, because I think that last year, obviously, the defence was having to basically control games for the Steelers, and obviously because the horrendous quarterback play they had, but again, I think where you're getting Roethlisberger, I, I do think it's a concern worth flagging. But I think even with that elite defense, I think he's going to return value on QB 16. Yeah, I, I agree. And having a good defense doesn't necessarily mean it's like going to be a knock on the offense. Mm. Um, I still think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for touchdowns, red zone looks, lots of you know, dump off passes, especially if he doesn't have the capability right away to keep chucking it down the field. So you're just talking about think, 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 let's yeah. go. So, and again, we also know that James Conner, I mean, isn't, you know, 100% durable either. So, yeah. there are questions there, which means Ben Roethlisberger is going to have to throw because we all know Ben Roethlisberger runs as fast as Treebeard from <laughs> one of the rings. So, and he literally is not fast at all. So, he's going to have to throw and relying on Benny Snell, Jalen Samuels, I get that, but that's not really like a Le'Veon Bell. So, I think throwing is in his future if I had a crystal ball and I was looking at it. Which I don't, but I could be. <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. Kev, just 
on you then. I know you had a few more concerns than me and Lauren. You, would you be happy taking Roethlisberger as your QB 16? Yeah, I, I'm still on board with him 100% with the, the weapons and the ceilings definitely. And if, if for whatever reason he does get in, injured and you've got the Codgers in again, then yeah, you can easily find a replacement on waivers. So I think it's um, fully on board with him. It's just a case of will he be limited in his upside? It was more of a, a teaser question to you guys and uh, me uh, pouring the uh, water all over him. <laughs> Whatever. You actually had a fear of it, and then we silenced your fear, and now you feel silly for worrying about it. Yeah, Just be you honest are. with Kev. Very silly, Kev. I'm kidding. Very silly. He's very silly. <laughs> I have to put up with it every week. He's very silly. <laughs> Uh, just before we move on, the last thing I'd say as well is the I think what's really helped with the like in terms of getting this Steelers offense cheap is the fact that they played most of last season without Roethlisberger as well because the the Steelers offensive players, including Juju, to be fair, and Deontay Johnson, uh, that they all seem to be falling in their ADP, and because I think people are worried about this Steelers offense, they seem to be forgetting that their quarterback play in 2019 was horrific to say the least oh, after, after Roethlisberg was out so I'm happy to take advantage of, of any of the, the Steelers offence um, so wow we've agreed on two in a row there, Kev tried to ruin it but he couldn't so we'll move, <laughs> on. we'll move on to the running back position and your first running back Lauren There, I actually have this split into two and I have a reason why so in PPR scoring I'm going to go with Matt Breida love mm. him and then flip side of that, if you're in standard, which is, you know, I know not a lot of people play standard anymore, but some people do. I'm going to go with Jordan Howard then from that Miami, Dolphin, uh, Miami Dolphins offense. Blah, blah, blah. I can speak. Yay. But I love Brita's explosiveness. I love yeah. how you can get him late. I just picked him up in my fantasy footballers, writers, redraft league, very long name. And um, I got him, I think, in the 11th round or something, and yeah. he was my fourth running back. So he's a perfect flex opportunity. He's got a really high ceiling. I love it. The only thing that stinks is that there is going to be a negative game script for the Dolphins, which means Jordan Howard may see the biggest problem with that because they're not going to be needing to run the ball. Yeah. But you can still look for him to be that goal line and I think Brita will be involved in the passing game so you can still get value out of him in PPR even in a negative game script but I like it you can get him late and you can tack him on to your you know running back core which is awesome I, I think that's a really good point especially on Breeder, where once once you're down to that sort of range where Breeder's going so like the RB35 I just don't see that what necessary why necessarily you take a running back without any upside there and I, so I think Breeder just screams upside. I personally think he will get uh, the most work he's had in his career in, in terms of, from a pass-catching perspective, I think the Dolphins will improve this year compared to 2019, but they have quite a tough schedule, so I'd expect them to be playing from quite behind a lot. So, right. so I agree with you. I think um, Breeder's a smash at that sort of ADP of RB35. Uh, with Howard, I, I'm going to let Kev take over on this one because he swung me on Jordan Howard this off-season, like he tries to put cold water on and ruin things. He, he did for me with Howard because I was out on him until he, he pointed out the sort of figures that Howard's put together where mm -hmm. he, he's always returned value. Um, did you say, Kev, he's, he's almost always finishes on the on the verge of the, an RB2 at the very least, even with his injuries? And obviously on this show, we love Miles Sanders, but from, what, from my memory last year, he was holding off Sanders and there was no threat that Sanders was taking that job until... 
until Jordan Howard went down. So, Kev, obviously, as an Eagles fan, you may be able to give a bit more of an insight. There still wasn't a that Miles Sanders was going to be the featured back because yeah. when he was, they lost three games in a row. Yeah. And they had to bring in Boston Scott to win four games in a row. But yeah. that is besides the point. I do have Miles <laughs> Sanders. You can't put a lot on Miles Sanders. <laughs> Like yeah. Defend Miles. This, this is a, a, a no, sa no Sanders <laughs> slanders zone. It's not a Sanders slander, which I, I like what you did. It's a Sanders, it's, no, it's a Sanders, now dang it, Kev, look what you did to me. It's a Sanders <laughs> reality check. Everyone yeah. who thinks that he is going to be a thousand ru rush yard, yard rush, something like that. I can speak. It's Saturday. Give me a break. But... <laughs> Doug Peterson's never been able, not been able, Doug Peterson's never allowed it to happen with any of his running backs uh, since he took over the head coaching job in 2016. That includes their Super Bowl run. Now, I'm not saying Miles Sanders isn't going to do well. He's going to crush it, but he's not going to be the only one to do it. So, yeah, well, that, that, that sort of ties in really nicely, Howard, because I think up until the Howard injury, he was, he was, he was flying. He was an RB2. Um, he... he he had like a 30-point game against the Packers on, on a Thursday night, I believe. Yeah. Where he, he caught a touchdown, which was unreal. Um, but yeah, he, he's basically been an RB to at worst um, in his career. So I think even despite going to probably a worse team than the Eagles in, in the Dolphins, um, he's, he can still maybe lose a bit of his production and still finish at a solid RB3 spot. Um, I think with... With Breeder, I'm, I'm less uh, less on board with that just because I don't think he looked special compared to like Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert. I, I think they're both pretty pretty bang average running backs in an amazing system, I and I don't think he he shined as much as I would have liked him. So I for everyone who's just listening to this podcast and obviously can't see us, my jaw is like on the floor right now. <laughs> <laughs> like so Breeder, not explosive or special. That was mine. Ran the fastest of I think any running back at twenty two something miles an hour and busted off an eighty three yard run when it looked like he was about to get tackled. I mean that's special. I yeah. I can't do that. I think it's a little bit to do with how Shanahan runs that offense as well that he wasn't able to to shine as much or show that explosiveness. This is the thing though with Breeder, he always tends to be banged up as well. So I would expect somebody that was of a talent to really stand out against Mostert and Coleman because I don't actually believe they have a ton of talent either. You can pretty much mm. stick anybody in there and they'll shine. You're on the 49ers over there, wow. Kev. I see how you roll. It's a great, <laughs> Negative, it's a great, nasty. It's a great Jeez. system they've got there, but I think that you can stick. Like, like Shanahan, uh, his, his dad, Mike Shanahan, in the Broncos, you could stick anybody in that system and they go for a thousand yards. So I just think the same with Breedaway. It's a worse situation. He's going to have to improve and, and get his elf up to to hit that um, Abbey 35 spot for me. So hmm. I, I'm stuck in the middle a little bit. I I agree with Lauren in terms of Breeder this year. I do see what one thing I will pick up on that I do agree with Kev on is that system. I'm completely out on Mostert and Tevin Coleman this year. So I do agree with you there. That backfield's a little bit of a mess at. But overall, I'm, I'm agreeing on Breeder, to be honest, with Lauren, because I think Abby 35 is shooting for the upside, and he certainly has that in abundance. And as we mentioned already, the Dolphins will be better than last year, but I expect a lot of negative game scripts. So that's going to affect Howard more than it does Breeder. Uh, I think Breeder beats his ADP of Abby 35. 
All right, Kev, I forgive you because you agreed with me on Jordan Howard, so we're friends still. <laughs> so, oh, I've just looked at the show sheet. It, our run of agreeing with my run of agreeing with Lauren is going to be over on this next one. So, do you want to give us your your next running? Yeah. So I know I did two on the last one, but my next running back that I really love is kind of another player that reminds me a lot of Matt Breida, but that's Philip Lindsay in the Denver Broncos offense. Now, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. And that is what Philip Lindsay has done. I, you know, prior to, I mean, in his undrafted, you know, rookie year, um, I was a Royce Freeman guy, girl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I was, was yeah, well, you know what I meant. I but yeah, I was like, well. yeah, Royce Freeman. And then I'm like, what happened to Royce Freeman? And he's like, oh, he was Philip Lindsay. And that's like literally what happens two years in a row. So everyone was out on Lindsay last year because of, you know, new coaching and yada, yada. And he came back and he's like, hi, I'm still here. And again, I have Brita and Lindsay in that league I was just talking about because I need some explosive pass catching backs that I know can have really good upside. And I don't really care that Melvin Gordon is there, frankly. He can't deal with the altitude. And he hasn't played a full 16 games in two years. So I'm curious to see how durable he is going to be, how sustainable his mm. style of rushing is going to be for an entire year. So he's not out for me. I, I, don't, I don't look at Melvin Gordon and think, oh, Lindsay's done. I'm like, that man wants to stay on the NFL field come hell or high water. And he's going to do everything he can to make sure he stays in that offense. So... Half of my redraft teams have just gone up in flames because I've got Melvin Gordon on all of them. So, Sorry. Um, <laughs> too upset. So, Kev, you, you can start on this one. <laughs> I think Laura makes a great, great point about Melvin Gordon's durability. Uh, I must yeah. admit, I do have Gordon at quite a few places, including uh, Scott Fishbowl. Um, but, yeah, he's he struggling with the altitude. He never plays 16, it seems. So, I think Lindsay is going to play some games for you this season. My only issue is I think he's more of a handcuff um, than someone you can start in your flex and feel really confident about but I guess based at his position is ADP is, is an RB4 and I think that's that's probably fine if you've got a deep bench you can sustain it for a bit and see how um, how the season unfolds but I think if Gordon stays injury free which is a big if and yeah. I'm not I'm not on the Lindsay train as such I yeah, I just, I think he's going to turn into that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I think he's going to turn into that Austin Eckler-ish role that Melvin Gordon knows how to play with. It may not start that way, but I think it could turn into that because that's how Melvin Gordon has been playing for a long time. And again, I, like I said, I'm worried about his sustainability um, with all of these other factors, like we said. But I love Philip Lindsay. I'm never going to count him out. But again, he is my RB4 on my roster. So it's not like he's my starting running back and I'm yeah. you know, putting all my <laughs> chips in there. I want to have him on my team because I want to see what he's going to do. And I don't want him on the waiver and have to pay giant amounts of fab just to get him if I need him. I think if you've got a deep bench, RB38 is worth having on there um i'm so i'm sort of in the middle again really i think i agree with kev that i wouldn't feel comfortable starting in the flex but at the same time if, if you start robust running back in a league and then you've got philip Lindsay as your rb four or five uh, and you're stashing him on the bench i'm i'm comfortable with that but to start the season i wouldn't be really happy to see philip Lindsay in my starting lineup. I mean, f from your guys' perspective, do you think he takes away any of the passing work if Melvin Gordon is healthy? Because I know we saw this with Gordon and Eckler last year, but I, and uh, sorry, Lindsay, uh, sorry, Lindsay, sorry, Philip, Lauren, <laughs> sorry, Lauren, Philip, sorry, Lauren, I don't think Lindsay's as uh, talented as Austin Eckler is. 
I'm not as confident he'll take the work away from Gordon like Eckler did. I don't know if it's taking the work away from him. I think it's being used creatively in a two running back type of mm. scheme. Now, whether or not they're going to do that, I have no I don't know. And I'm a Drew Locke girl. I went, to, I went to Mizzou. I watched Drew Locke all the time. Wow. And it wouldn't surprise me if he does come to rely on having two running backs that can, pass, that can catch the ball. I mean, Gordon has great hands. So we'll see. I, I don't know if it's – I mean, I think the volume is going to be for Gordon here, for sure. Um, but I, I honestly I'm, – I'm high on Lindsey a lot more than other people are. But I think he's going to continue to make a name for himself. And he's going to be involved in at least a small way that – I think is going to build into, okay, we have to keep him on the field. If anything, just for a safety valve for Drew Locke, who probably needs it in his second year in the NFL, and he only played five games last yeah. year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I mean, we're, we're not, I'm not super high on Drew Locke at this point, but that's more like you just said, that there's a lot of hype around him and he's only played five, five games in the NFL. So I think the jury's out a little bit, but that could really be a safety valve for him this year. I think it's interesting to see how it plays out. I think, God, like you said, I think Gordon gets the volume. I don't think they, they're paying the money they have for him not to play. But like I said, I'm one of the people that's that's counted Lindsay out twice already. I think I think he was undrafted coming into the NFL, if I remember right, as well. Yeah. And he's proved people wrong twice. So I certainly wouldn't dismiss it out of hand, even though I'm not totally on board with it. Just real quick, too, about Gordon. Um, I was reminded of this a few days ago, but the whole contract situation with Gordon was very, very weird. He did not necessarily want to go to Denver. It wasn't like, I want to go to Denver and stick it to you guys. It was like, he had to. Okay, yeah. this is the only place I have left now to you know, make any kind of a statement that I was going to try to make before. So this is... It does not feel right. And the, I don't have any science or data to back that up other than it gives me indigestion. Gordon at <laughs> Gordon in, in Denver just does not – it does not work for the optics for me with all these other things that are floating around there, you know, with his contract, with trying to get more money, and then yeah. now he can't handle the altitude, but there's still Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. So it's very nerve-wracking for me. And the only piece that I'm willing to take a risk on is Philip Lindsay at his ADP. I think Gordon is too expensive, um, and I, I, it scares me. So that's the only piece of that offense I'll take, and you can get him late, and he doesn't have to be your starter unless you have a good matchup. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much, I mean, I'll agree with you there, he's pretty much free when you get into that range of RB38. I mean, why not when you look at the the running backs going around him? Uh, I'm, I'm just really interested to see how that plays out. I mean, the last point we'd make is, and you've covered it already, Lauren, to be fair, I mean, he held out, and that must be the most disastrous holdout of all time, Gordon holding out uh, with the Chargers last year. I got him in my Scott Fishbowl, and the next day he declared he was holding out. I was like, Are you kidding me? What? That just happened to me. Let um, well, gosh, was it Thursday, the day before? I just drafted Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill in another draft, and then the very next day they're like, he's carted off or walked off on his own volition with an injury. I'm like, of course, of course he did. Yeah, I mean, it's Hill's injury. I mean, I've taken, I've just taken Tyreek and Tyreek and Hill, Tyreek Hill in the league last week. And I was bragging that I've never had a share of Tyreek in any league, and then he went off injured. Like, so it's was, your fault, is what you're my saying. Fault. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I knew it. Fantasy curse. So, if we move on then to the value redraft targets at wide receiver, and I'm loving the names that I'm looking at here. So, uh, do you want to give us your first one, Lauren? 
Sure. Uh, my first one is, and don't at me people, because I either get love or absolute hate for this, but it's Tyler Boyd with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I love Tyler Boyd this year because A.J. Green is back. A lot of people expected Tyler Boyd to step into that wide receiver one role. Juju Smith-Schuster was supposed to do, and Antonio Brown left. Disaster. Uh, I know, quarterback play, blah, blah, whatever. But the same thing can be said for the Bengals. So they have a, you know, better quarterback in Joe Burrow. Yeah. So let's hope he can step up to the plate early and quickly. Um, but Tyler Boyd needs to have a true wide receiver one in order for him to make any kind of, you know, Big dent to be fantasy relevant, and I yeah. think he has that this year. Very excited for Tyler Boyd, and again, you can you can get him pretty late. Wide receiver thirty five is what our notes say right here. So I like it. I like it a lot. You know, flip side of that too, you can get AJ Green really late also. But yeah. I think I'd rather go with Tyler Boyd, youth and health. Yeah, I think the, I think the stats from I think it was the twenty eighteen season where people were worried about Tyler Boyd playing with AJ Green, but his, his figures were actually better with AJ Green on the They were field. wonderful. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. I'm not worried about uh, AJ Green at all, to be honest. Um, I love to. I think Tyler Boyd at wide receiver thirty five is practically theft, uh, especially with Joe yes. Burrow coming in. Joe Burrow loves throwing to the slot. He fed Justin Jefferson constantly there. LSU so yep. I haven't got that much more to add there I love Tyler Boyd and I can't believe the only thing I'd say is I can't believe he's going at wide receiver 35 I think that's, I know that's, we shouldn't tell anybody because no, maybe his ADP not. will go up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to start tweeting about how much uh, I think Tyler Boyd's you know he's terrible he's don't trap no him washed yeah. hyped overhyped <laughs> blah, garbage and then like I'm taking Tyler Boyd every every yeah. draft I can <laughs> That's a really good strategy. I'm gonna. I should have tried that this year before, like Scott Fishball, instead of bombing it as badly as I did. So we'll come to you, Kev, on Tyler Boyd. I know you hate Joe Burrow, but um... no, I, uh, I I do I do really like Tyler Boyd. He's my wide receiver 28. So to get him at 35 is it's pretty well above his ADP actually. Um, I think he'll be the, the clear best bet for the Bengals in 2019. Even with AJ Green there, I think he's still gonna. Really shine from the slot. Um, not massive on Tyler Boyd's talent, but I do think the volume and the the situation, the game scripts, is all in his favour to have a, a really, really good season. So he's an easy smash for me at wide receiver thirty five. Yeah, his um his separation and success against man coverage and press coverage from two thousand eighteen to two thousand nineteen, two thousand eighteen with AJ Green, two thousand nineteen without AJ Green. I think it dropped anywhere between five and almost 10% in his success um, against coverage. He needs to have somebody else yeah. drawing away that defense. Yeah, totally agree. So, I mean, they've also brought, because I think when the Bengals drafted T Higgins as well, I think that's when you saw Tyler Boyd's ADP stats drop. But I, I really like T Higgins. I really like Tyler Boyd in this offense with AJ Green this year, if he can stay healthy and potentially T Higgins going forward. So I'm all in on, on Tyler Boyd this year Love and it. going forward. So if we move on to the next uh, wide receiver, Lauren, and I just want to say I agree before you even tell us who it is. Swoop. Yay! Oh, that makes me so happy. So we mentioned him earlier. It's Deontay Johnson. Yes. So again, going criminally late for the Pittsburgh Steelers, going criminally late in drafts, which I absolutely love to see. And uh, Deontay Johnson managed to make a splash as a rookie, which is hard to do in the NFL, with yeah. two backup quarterbacks their NFL debut uh, garbage uh, it was he, he really had an uphill battle and the Steelers generally 
usually historically have not relied heavily on rookie wide receivers. He was literally like, hold my juice box. Watch this. I know I said that before. So sorry if someone's heard that joke already. But, um, you know, he managed 92 targets. He had five touchdowns. He was really heavily involved with with garbage at quarterback. Yeah. You know, and it's, he's going to do so well with Ben Roethlisberger. And in 2018, when Big Ben was healthy, um, he had 65%, like I said before, 65% of his targets were to the wide receiver position. Now, there was only a 0.3% difference between the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two that year. And I get that one of them was Antonio Brown. I get it. But even if those numbers get close to being a 0.3% difference between wide receiver one and wide receiver two, you're talking monster numbers for Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. So give me every share of Deontay Johnson in as many leagues as humanly possible, maybe even some fake ones I make up just so I can say I have him in those two. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I love Deontay Johnson. Uh, I think you've covered it pretty well. So, uh, Kev, have you got anything else on Deontay Johnson? I- I'm struggling to add anything. I love Deontay Johnson. Again, the same with Boyd. I cannot believe Deontay Johnson is going as the wide receiver 36. And I saw some consensus rankings this week that have Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 60 and I'm just thinking I mean obviously, I'm, yes, I'm not, yes I'm not going to name the source on this show uh, I'll tell you both afterwards but yeah he, he's yeah, going, message me this yeah I'll, this I'll message you I don't want to say this, it on the show but it was horrificness yeah it was on wide, wide receiver 55 60 somewhere around that range and I was just thinking I just hope these the rankings haven't been updated since like last preseason because <laughs> It's nuts to me. I I think I love Deontay Johnson. I'd much rather take Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 36 and I'll take Juju where he's going. So, but even though I, you know, I'm high on the Steelers offense as we mentioned earlier, but I'm I'm taking Johnson at the two of them at that price. So we'll come to you, Kev, on on Deontay Johnson. I know you've tried to steal him from me a few times and I told him to get lost. Yeah, I think think the guy, whoever's got um, Deontay Johnson as a wide receiver 55, he must be using that trick of. uh, Fading him so that he can get him in more places. Yes. Um, that, Good point. I didn't think of that. We've caught onto the Tyler Boyd idea already. Yeah, I just, I just feel like it's a fair question to ask about Juju. Was he good only because of Antonio Brown? I mean, he's in the mm-hmm. final year of his deal. If they don't re-sign him and they're not planning to re-sign him, is there a shot that this season the feature Deontay Johnson as the main man? I think he's a, he's an ideal safe floor guy with great upside. Uh, you're getting him as a wide receiver, three four, um, but he's he's got easy top twenty potential if he uh, if he hits and if he's featured as a potential one over Juju, he could go even yeah. higher. And Juju is meant to be in the slot. It's one of the reasons they picked up Chase Claypool as well. So having also excellent dynasty pickup, in my opinion. I love Chase Claypool. Um, But moving Juju Smith-Schuster back into the slot where he feasts is where he's going to do well. And they tried to do the the wideout experiment with Juju Smith-Schuster. It didn't work. He is not that great at creating (laughs) separation. He needs to be in the slot. So I think they're going to keep him there which kind of leaves that you know that wide out uh, field stretching position for James Washington and Deontay Johnson and James Washington two years ago had a 47 percent catch percentage he literally had to work on catching a football in the offseason <laughs> so give me Deontay Johnson over James Washington thank you the end yes <laughs> I think that's uh, unanimous fantastic uh, Tyler Bob Deontay Johnson too Brilliant selections. Can we possibly get a tight end redraft target that we disagree with? Uh, that me and Kev disagree. That we with? disagree. With. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, 
I think we've learned our lesson. Um, on the last show, uh, we just got absolutely ruined by trying to by trying to argue with our guests. So I think we've learned our lesson. So we're just going to agree from now on. <laughs> <laughs> we just got absolutely hammered on every selection. Uh, so maybe that's what it is. But we'll move on to value redraft targets at tight end, Lauren. If you want to give us your first tight end. Sure. So my first tight end, um, I'm going to, I'm going to switch him up from what you guys are looking at at the show notes. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the now more recently hyped Blake Jarwin of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and I know a lot of people are either love him or they're like, eh, completely out on him. Um, I like Blake Jarwin because they, first of all, in their Jason Garrett led offense, it was like the entire run offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott. You bring in Mike McCarthy and you, we have Kellen Moore. And Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator really likes to target the tight end position. So Jason Witten is gone. He has vacated 92 targets. Nine, he saw 92 targets last year. Like old man Jason Witten. First of all, good for you. Second of all, there's 92 targets going to the tight end position. Now, Blake Jarwin also played with Jason Witten last year. He saw 41 targets for 31 receptions, and he had three touchdowns. So he was productive even with another tight end on the field. And the Cowboys paid him. They paid him. They believe he's going to be that guy to usurp take over that tight end position. Give me Blake Jarwin. He's going super late. I like it. I know there's a lot of hype around it, but from my perspective where I look at that offense, how it runs between Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy, and then Jason Witten gone and they paid him, I will take a shot on Blake Jarwin. I'm, I ain't scared. <laughs> I think he's tight end 18. Is, I mean, I'm trying to buy into that Dallas offense wherever possible. So even though I'm not 100% convinced on Jarwin. I mean, that, if you're going to wait on tight end right until the end of your redraft leagues, I think someone like Blake Jarwin playing in such a monster offense like Dallas is going to be this year is is the right way to go. I mean, you've got... So I'm guessing the concern would be, obviously, you've got Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb as well. But like you said, I'm, I'm shocked that... that uh, Jason Witten had 92 targets last year. I wasn't aware of that. So those targets are vacated. He's gone. Can Jarwin return value of, like above value of tight end 18? I'd say even with that target competition, I think he potentially could. And all you're looking for if you're taking a tight end that late is the potential to break through and at least return tight end one numbers, which is probably easier than it looks with a few few touchdowns sprinkled in there. So We'll come to you, Kev, on Blake Jarwin. Though I'm and let me correct myself real quick and interrupt you there. It was 83 targets in 2019. Okay. My bad. Still, that's still crazy. I can't believe that, that he saw that many. Uh, so I'm not 100% convinced on Jarwin, the player. So it's a little bit like you, Kev, with Boyd at wide receiver. But, I mean, look at – so I'd probably disagree on this, but I think looking at the price and the offense he's playing in and the targets vacated, I, I'd be if I was going to wait on tight end, I'd be willing to take a shot on Jarwin in that way. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I think uh, I was completely off Jarwin until uh, Lauren made a really nice pitch there, so well done on that. Um, I guess for me, with Jarwin, he's got a really nice first half of the season schedule. Um, if I would I roster him after the bye week, probably not, but... If things break his way, like an injury to, say, a gallop or a lamb, I, I can absolutely see tight end one numbers in his range of outcomes. So I think I'd actually be fine taking him and seeing how it goes uh, based on the fact that there'll be some other options on waivers if, for yeah. whatever reason, he's not, um, mm. he's not as a, he hasn't got the ceiling of the other guys out there. 
Yeah, I think he's, I think I don't know about what you two feel like, but tight end seems so much deeper this year than it has done the last few years. There's so many candidates in that 15 to 25, 15 to 24 range that you could easily say could break out and, and return tight end one numbers are at least on the border of tight end one numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you get past Mark Andrews, pretty much everything from tight end four to tight end 20, I don't think there's a massive gap at all. Yeah, yeah. I agree right. with that. Uh, so it, have we got another tight end there, Lauren, that you think could could be his ADP? Yes. Okay. So this guy, I was so excited for him last year in 2019, but he got suspended and then he only played, I think, one snap and had one touch for seven yards. But that's Chris Herndon. Um, and I love Chris Herndon so much because of his chemistry with Sam Darnold. And they need that chemistry. The Jack were terrible they were either last or second to last in most of their offense it's like points for total offense rushing yards rushing attempts passing touchdowns garbage so he needs someone that he can have that chemistry with and again he has better um pass catching ability than other tight end ryan griffin so i think he's going to be he meaning herndon is going to be more involved in the passing game and he made the pro bowl as a rookie in 2018 as a rookie tight end unheard of in the NFL um, I think he had like five touchdowns or something I don't have his numbers right in front of me but he was explosive and again that was also Sam Darnold's rookie year too so I love that they have this history with each other I hope having that one year off doesn't completely just ruin this but um, I am more than willing to take a shot on Chris Herndon to see if he hits um, same thing with Blake Jarwin I think I would feel more comfortable if I had another tight end I don't necessarily want to rely just on Dar- Dar- uh, Jarwin excuse me or Herndon as my tight end one. I'd like to see if they develop into one and then have them already on my team. But if I had to, those are the two that I think I wouldn't mind taking a shot on. But yeah, I love I love Chris Herndon. Um, he's going completely forgotten because of his non-existent year last year. And his 2018 year has been also forgotten. So give me, give me, give me Herndon. Let's not talk about him too much. We don't want to get that ADP up there. Yeah, that's true. I hate Herndon. I totally disagree. You shouldn't draft him. Um, Excellent. Yeah. Well, it's Kev. Don't disagree, Kev. Pretend you don't like Chris Herndon as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Herndon's rubbish. And on the last pod what we did on career years, I didn't mention Herndon at all. <laughs> so he's really bad. Um, he's, he, I mean, the offense is full of alpha wide receivers. Um, yeah. I mean, Chad no, Perriman. Out there. Yeah, there's no yeah. game, no game script at all. I think he's really, really poor option as a late round tight end. <laughs> I'm digging this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should do on this show. We should uh, drive down players ADP, so and then oh, go play it. best ball. So <laughs> I but, love it. Yeah, the only thing I'll say, and hopefully people have switched off and don't hear this bit, but I mean, yeah, I, I love Herndon. Please don't listen to me. I mean, he's got. I quite like Denzel Mims in that offense, but I don't know whether that's going to come to fruition this year. Then you've got Perriman, and I do like Jamison Crowder, but there's only so many targets the poor guy can take. Um, and as you mentioned, Lauren on Herden's rookie year as a tight end, you know, that they take a long time to acclimate to the NFL, and Herden smashed in 2018. Yeah. He's going completely under the radar. Hopefully he stays there, but I completely agree. So I'll quickly come to you, Kev, for your serious thoughts on Herden. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's really poor tight end. Um, <laughs> oh no, sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. I think other than the tough start against the Bills and the Forty um, Niners, yeah. he's going to have a massive year. And like I said before, I think he'll have a career year. Um, the offense, it's 
and there's no there's no real big threat out there. You've got Crowder that, catch, that has like about 120 targets, but he's, he's not going to do a ton with those. Someone like Hernan's a bit more explosive that's going to going to really stand out and potentially be the top touchdown scorer as well on the Jets. So that is yeah. it won't be too difficult. I don't think. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And you bring up a good you bring up a good adjective for him, and it's his explosiveness. It's yeah. his ability to make big plays when he needs to. And uh, I I love it. He I don't I don't know. He reminds me a lot of Juju Smith Schuster for some reason. There's there's a lot of similarities <laughs> for those two. Like I, I don't know why, but I I often can get them confused. <laughs> Juju the tight end, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if we move on to the next part of the show, which is our guest questions, where we put our guest on the spot. I'm uh, ready. Yeah, usually, you know, we, we try and rip our guests apart on these, but then obviously <laughs> Mitch Sorensen on the last show destroyed us. So I'm hoping you can't do the same to us as Mitch did. So, <laughs> so this is modified now. So we, we used to use this section of the show to look at dynasty targets and things like that. We have changed that and we're now looking at uh, more from a redraft perspective. So the first question to you, Lauren, is one player you would overpay and reach for in redraft this year? I will reach for Mark Andrews, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, according to, yeah, like the different ADP I've seen him going is around the fifth round. I think that's way too late, and I have no problem snagging him third or fourth, depending on what my roster is shaping up to be. I Yeah, I mean, I, I'm out on taking a tight end early, but I mean, if he's dropping into the fifth round at some point, that becomes absolutely nuts, and you just have to pull the trigger. Uh, Kev, I know you, you're big on Mandrews compared to me. I do like him, and I do like this, especially if he's falling to the fourth or fifth, so I'm sure you'll agree on this one. Yeah, and uh, I've, I've actually done the actions with this as well. I took him in round four in my most recent redraft, so I'd potentially take him in the back of the third as well if, if I end yep. up at the back of that round. So, um, yeah, imagine if you got two stud running backs and then you, you have uh, Mark Andrews as well. It's a great I start to you. I think that's an ideal yeah. start. I was going to ask you both, um, and obviously me and Kev have discussed this off-air, Lauren. So you talk about the roster build. I mean, last year, I a lot of my teams I ruined by starting wide receiver and then going tight end with someone like Travis Kelsey, and it, it mm -hmm. really hurt my teams. But Kev's just mentioned it. I think if you start RBRB and then get one of the, the elite tight ends, which at that point you're looking at, Mark Andrews, I think that's a smash start to any redraft. It is. There is so much value at wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, lots of great talent that can end as a wide receiver one that you can get later in drafts. So, yeah. but not necessarily as much at tight end and, and running back. So, yeah, yeah. gimme. I'm, I'm all on board. Yeah, so we all agree on that one. So, we'll look at the next one, which is a value play. So, one player you're actively looking to take in as many redrafts leagues as you can at their current ADP. I feel like I have three teams that I collectively talk about, and they're like <laughs> the Broncos, the Jets, and the Steelers. But I'm going to go with Cortland Sutton. Um, again, this is going to be the the heir of targets for my boy Drew Locke. But um, he has proven he can be productive and successful no matter who's at quarterback. And I really, really like him as a big breakout year this year. And um, I think he's the wide receiver 25 coming off the board. That's right when I'm looking to yeah. get a wide receiver one in that kind of range in the draft. Mm -hmm. And if I'm looking at all of those wide receivers in that tier, he is the one that stands out to me with the most upside and the most potential to finish really high. So give me Cortland Sutton. I'm targeting him everywhere. 
Uh, finally, someone has actually come on the show and agreed with me on Cortland Sutton because I got. Oh, bullied. I'm here for you. We are now bullied. best I've friends. Been, thank, we are indeed. Because you been, are going to regret <laughs> this. <in your life. laughs> I've been bullied so much on Cortland Sutton this off season. It's unbelievable. I can't believe he's going as the wide receiver twenty five. I get, I get the concerns around uh, the weapons that they've added, uh, and as I said earlier, I'm not totally bought in on Drew Locke, but I think Cortland Sutton is going to be the the main target in that. Uh, in that Denver offense, I'm not too worried this year about uh, you know they brought in rookies like Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. I think Sutton's going to be the alpha receiver in that offense, so I'm all in on getting him. And as, as we just said, especially if you start your draft RB RB tight end or even more robust RB than that, and then switch to wide receiver, and you can get Cortland Sutton yeah. around wide receiver 25. Yeah, I'm all in on that. So Kev, go on. You can try and pour water on this one with your misery, but I'm not going to allow it. No, actually, I'm I'm on board with this. Oh. I think I think. Oh well, um, you've changed your tune. Yeah, I Yay. think with with uh, <laughs> with Locke and Sutton, I think their their sort of value has really decreased over the off season to yeah. the point where yeah. I feel like it's it's a place I'd, I'd like to get involved now. Um, I'm yeah. not a Locke fan, but obviously the the Broncos have had a ton of changes this off season. So I think taking the guy that's been there, um, he's built that bit of rapport with Drew Locke. I think for redraft. I'm very much interested in Colton Sutton at that price. Yeah, and I think people are knocking Sutton's, but people always talk about, you know, you shouldn't judge a small sample size, but I don't know if you two guys see the same, but people you arguing against Cortland Sutton, not when you take out the fact that there's a lot of weapons there that, that Drew Locke has, that they look at the small sample size of Drew Locke with Cortland Sutton at the end of last year, but it was only five games. I, I don't really think there's that much that you can take out of that. Yeah, and I think as well, like, even if you take that five-game sample, it was still a wide, like a top 30 wide receiver. So yeah. it's kind of a bit, bit overblown for me. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So, oh, we've agreed on that one, Kev. It's about time you saw the light there. So if we move on to the next one, and that is the player, Lauren, that you are fading um, at their current price in redraft. So I am going to switch this up on y'all and I'm not going to do the one I put in my notes. Oh, I know I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> so I'm, I'm changing this and it's going to be Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yes! I am not, yes. I'm, not oh taking, I'm not taking him in the first round. I won't do it. So yeah, he's, he's my, and it's very spicy. I just got done. I was on the uh, live stream for fantasy pros on Thursday and they asked me a lot of questions about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So the, it, 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 the, OBJ was my original answer for this, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is way, way more relevant. So mm. I'm going to go with CEH. Not that I'm saying he's not going to do well. I think he will. But I want a better known commodity um, yeah. than CEH this year. 2021, he's probably going to be like the next Saquon Barkley. But I'm just saying, this year I'm out. So, uh, firstly, I'll just cover that I was totally in on OBJ. Uh, I agree with you completely. I'm not. Yeah, I do agree with that one too. But Ceh is far yeah, more. Yeah, but Ceh is far more relevant. Um, I think Kev, you took him first overall in the league recently. So that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do you know what? I'm, I've gone back and forth on Clyde Edwards-Helaire so much. I really don't know. I think you look at the landing spot and things like that. I think that's an absolute smash. But then. In, in redraft leagues especially, I'll admit, I really don't know, like, to take, to spend, what is it, what's his ADP now? We were talking, like, the the sixth, RB6, yeah. or sixth yeah. pick. I've seen him go as early as fourth, the fourth. Yeah, I've seen him go at four as well. Um, yeah. 
admittedly, I, I had the six pick in that draft, and I was thinking if CEH drops here, you know, I think I'm just going to pull the trigger because I've got no shares of him, but I wouldn't do it with that much confidence. And the only reason is what you said is that he's not played a snap in the NFL, and that just frightens me to spend your first-round pick on such an unknown commodity. I'm not. I just don't know. I don't know on this one. So, Kev, yeah, I'm going to jump out of the sinking ship. I'm going to let you try and answer this one because I'm... I, I just change my mind daily on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, so... Yeah, for Edwards-Alaire, like, in, in Dynasty, I'm, I'm massively high on him. I just traded away Mixon straight up for CH, yeah, uh, lucky Josh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but for, for Dynasty, yeah, he's going to be a smash and he's worth a lot. Yeah. But I think for redraft, I, I'm not going to have him in any league. I think he's my, probably my RB10, I think, mm. um, and he's... He's definitely not going to make it to the back of the first um, in your leagues. He's going, like I said, between four and six in most places. So, yeah. completely on board with this one. So then Williams ruined my plan for C8. <laughs> ruined it. Because everyone was going to take him in, like, second, third round. They're going to be like, oh, I got the next Saquon Barkley in the third round. And then the first, I don't know, four, six weeks when it's Damian, you know, Damian Williams season yeah. and – Clyde Edwards Hilaire isn't all that involved. They were going to rage drop him, put him oh, on the yeah. waiver wire, and then yeah. I was going to snatch him up and be like, thanks for the mouse, stupid. But yeah. that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, Williams opted out. Now Clyde Edwards Hilaire is like all big and popular, and I can't do it now. Yeah. I mean, he was going, where, I mean, his ADP, I can't remember now, before Williams opted out, you could probably get him around the same around the same or a little bit earlier than Jonathan Taylor potentially yeah and that was a smash spot to take him but yeah it's just gone nuts I mean the I've got a few redraft leagues left where I think at least once I may pull the trigger on him just so I've got a share of him if he goes off but I'd be terrified taking him Mm-hmm. In the first, especially rest. in an abbreviated off season like we yeah. have right now, what rookies are um, really facing an uphill battle this year, which is scary. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So we've agreed on another one there. So we'll come to a play that you're avoiding in redraft, uh, regardless of the cost. It's going to be any of the Rams running backs. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I can't say which one because I'm avoiding all of them. It's Daryl Henderson. It's Malcolm Brown. It is Cam Akers. I'm, I'm out. Nope, nope, no, thank you. No, no part of it. Not as, especially with them going to a 12, uh, 12 personnel with the two tight ends. They faded out Todd Gurley, and I don't think it just had to do with his knee. Um, I think that they really want to do something different. Why, I don't know, but I don't know which one it's going to be. I have no idea. No, none. Not yeah. doing it. Yeah, total mess for me. If, if anyone in the backfield I was going to take from the Rams, it would be... Darrell Henderson because his ADP's dropped so much and if you can get him extremely cheap I mean he's he's pretty much going right at the back end of drafts now I'd probably be willing to take a shot on him because I'm I know people are writing him off but and I know that the argument that they spent a second round pick on Acres, but the draft capital for Darrell Henderson's still there I'm not totally out on Henderson especially as we mentioned with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in an abbreviated offseason so if anyone, um, I would be willing to take a shot on Darrell Henderson, but I do get the sentiment completely. So, Kev, you were high on Darrell Henderson last year, so obviously with Akers coming in there, I don't think we've talked much about the Rams' backfield. Are you totally out on this backfield in 2020? Yeah, it stinks. <laughs> That's well, I'm gonna sleep. <laughs> we'll just leave it there then. <laughs> so... That was perfect. I think my, my yeah. I think my computer like muted me because I laughed so hard, like so <laughs> loud. It was like, oh no, you're too loud, woman. Quiet. 
<laughs> I think it's good analysis to that backfield is going to be a mess this year. I, I'd, I mean, Henderson late on as a dart throw, but I would rather stay away. So I'm, I'm talking a little bit slow because I've just looked at the next question and I think you're really going to upset this show with this next question. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm here for. I am not afraid of a little adversity. <laughs> so the next question, which to be fair, I think Mitch on the last show also gave the same answer. So, um, we so are is asking... it really, is it really us then? Is, I guess, maybe, <laughs> I guess it's us. maybe it's us. Uh, so we're going to ask you whether or not you would take, obviously they're quite close in ADP. To be fair, one of these guys has actually shot well ahead in ADP in the last month or so, where even though I love Sanders, he's getting to a range where I'm quite frightened of taking him, you know, as the sixth or seventh running back off the board. But the question is, are you taking Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs in redraft this year? I'm taking Josh Jacobs and I'm not even thinking about it. Not even thinking about it. Not even thinking about it. Now, I want to I want to just put a caveat on here, too. And I mentioned this before. Um, this does not mean I don't think Miles Sanders is going to be a bad running back this year. I think yeah. that he will produce, especially in the passing game. But he's not going to have the grounds on the, the yards on the ground. Pardon me. And uh, for some reason, Saturdays and I, I have, like, I cannot speak. It's like I'm tongue-tied. <laughs> cross-eyed it's it's really I'm I'm not cross-eyed but I feel like it right now and um but yeah so he's going to be in a running back by committee that is going to happen it's going to happen again um whether or not they're going to sign somebody else Miles Sanders is now also a little banged up yeah, yeah so I don't know I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan but I think he's going to do well if he was still if he was in this if he was in like the second or maybe got even the third round I wouldn't mm. hesitate to draft him but I'm not taking him in the first yeah, I'm a little bit. I mean, you won't be my RB one. Yeah, yeah, even at, at the back end of the, the the first round, I'd be willing to take Sanders, but his ADP is just frightening me a little bit. I mean, yeah. I think a redraft league I did this week, he went around the tenth pick, and I thought that was okay. But I've seen him go much earlier, like five or six. And as much as I absolutely adore Miles Sanders, I I'd, I'd be terrified taking him that high at five or six. So, Kev, as an Eagles homer, you. You may have a different opinion on on. Obviously, we we're stunned by the the fact that Lauren would take Josh Jacobs, but just before <laughs> well, we move on, Eagles Homer, then you should know how they run their offense. This yeah. should not be a surprise. Yeah, I just think for me, like um, I'm taking Sanders over Jacobs. Yeah. Obviously, it's the passing um, game for me. I'm worried. Yeah, about there is Jacobs a lot, especially in PPR for yeah. sure. Yeah. But I, I do I do agree with you in the sense that he shouldn't be going in round one for me. I think round two of redraft, I'd be happy, but. There is that little bit of concern about durability, the fact that he got injured last season, he's, he's, injured, got, now. he's injured now, he's, mm. he, he only showed it over a small amount of games, so um, I won't be taking him round one for sure. So I think we've round about, you know, we just get bullied into changing our opinions on this show, Kev. <laughs> I've not changed my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I do still... it in like a really nice way. I didn't yeah. call you names or anything. <laughs> I, think, I think it's the, I do prefer Sanders, like we said, especially in PPR leagues. And I think only dinosaurs play in standard leagues now anyway. But <laughs> I do agree with the sentiment that Jacobs is cheaper and Sanders is a little bit risky that he's going that high now. I like Jacob's volume too. Yeah, I like I his volume in that offense with Gruden. So there's a lot. I, I like Jacob's more than Sanders. Even if they were both going at the exact same place, I'll still take Jacob's over Sanders. Wow. Maybe we should change yeah. this question, Kev, because we've, we've been ruined twice. 
what a take. But I am. I, so the last question of the show we're coming on to, and I, I hope, Kev, you're not going to let me down because I am going to team up with you on this one. I am. My job, if our cameras were on, which they will be when we go on Fantasy Wildcard Podcast, which is a cheap plug. Uh, sorry, Kev, I didn't tell you that, but we are going on camera for those. Now, uh, Lauren, the last question of the show is your reputation. So a hot take that you would gamble your reputation on being correct in the 2020 NFL season. This is so bad because I did this once already and I was really wrong. But that was because <laughs> of injury. But I'm, I'm, you know what? It is so on brand for me to do it. So I'm going to stick with it. I, hot take, bold, hot, spicy take. <laughs> we haven't got the budget for sound effects, so that's pretty I know. Oh, my God. Okay. So it's going to be that David Johnson is going to finish as an B1, meeting in the top 12 in 2020. Spicy. I know. Are, is, are, is everyone like, need a glass of water? Maybe yeah, some, some milk to calm that. that spice down? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just, I, first of all, I can't quit David Johnson. I love him so much. And he did not do poorly um, at all last year before he got hurt. And, uh, you know, it was Kenyon Drake's season for the Cardinals. It didn't work out, but Bill O'Brien has a lot to justify. And uh, he's going to have to, uh, yeah, that by itself is kind of like, I just need to watch this train wreck and see what happens. But um, I believe in the talent of David Johnson. I know a lot of people say he looked bad on film. He looked slow. He didn't care because he was getting S'd on constantly Mm. last year. So I wouldn't want to care either. But before he got hurt, he he was doing well. I think it was like RB8 or RB6 or something. So Bill O'Brien really sold him on a new year, a new offense, get back to that 2016 year. And I that is what David Johnson said. He's getting back to 2016 form. He's got a big chip on his shoulder as well. He wants to win. He wants to play well. And he also wants to prove to people that like, hey, there was a reason why he liked me enough to trade away DeAndre Hopkins. I'm worth it. And he has something that he wants to prove. So I'm, I'm very interested to see all of these um, like tertiary pieces really play a role in how he performs on the field. Um, another thing is he's going to have to be involved in the passing because DeAndre Hopkins is gone, which vacates a lot of targets. And there is a lot of history that shows when a, an elite wide receiver vacates a lot of targets, that doesn't necessarily go straight to wide receivers. It mm-hmm. actually goes to pass catching running backs. And I understand that Duke Johnson is one of them, but David Johnson is a better running back than Duke Johnson. <gasps> we'll both have. They will both have a say and a role in the offense, but I think this is going to be David Johnson's um, pass-catching, line-of-scrimmage-type role more than Duke Johnson. So, give me. I'm, I'm all on board. I think it's going to happen, and I think the only way it doesn't happen is if he gets hurt. So, I, that was such a compelling argument. The reason we both gasped is, obviously, we mentioned Matt at the top of the show. He is the biggest Duke Johnson truther <laughs> on the planet. He literally takes Duke Johnson and Todd Gurley at the 101. Like, Duke Johnson is good. <laughs> don't get yeah. me wrong. Not that good. Jeez, Matt. <laughs> You're an idiot, Matt. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, no, but I, I think the thing that I, I mean, it's a compelling argument. I obviously don't agree that it'll be an RB1, but. The point that I will agree with you on, uh, and I think, Kev, you would as well, is as much as we love, we, to be fair to Matt, we do love Duke Johnson as well, but coaches just incompetently won't use him as a three-down back. If David Johnson stays healthy, he is going to get the volume in that offence. There is no doubt about it. You touched on it yourself. With Bill O'Brien needs to justify that. Um, so, but I, I just can't see happening. I, I don't think David Johnson plays the full season, and I think that's where my concern would be. So... Just as we sign off, Kev, do you want to give your quick thoughts on David Johnson there and whether you believe he can be an RB1? 
think he's going to get the opportunity to be yeah, the opportunity uh, there. to to shine because obviously they've got rid of the franchise uh, sort of icon in DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's got to work out for David Johnson if Bill O'Brien's going to come out of this with any glory. Um, yeah, I'll keep his job potentially. Yeah, I think in injury wise, if he plays sixteen, maybe. But I, I mean, just looking at the the uh, some of the clips from last year. It, he looked like it looked like he were washed. Now that might have just been injuries. If it wasn't, uh, if it wasn't um, washed, if it was just a, the odd injury, then if he gets back to his old form, of course he could do it. But I'm a little bit lukewarm myself. Yeah, lukewarm is where I'll I'll put myself as well. <laughs> but that is it. I love how spicy that take is, and that has brought us to the end of the show. I just want to thank you again, Lauren, for coming on. You've been a fantastic guest. Do you want to let our listeners know where they can find you in the work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. You guys can find me all over social media. I'm usually more responsive on Twitter. It's at stepmomlauren, L-A-U-R-E-N. You guys can find all my work. I put it on my website, stepmomlauren.com. So come say hi. Fantastic. And you almost converted me on Le'Veon Bell this week. Almost. But uh, with the article that you wrote. But not I quite. love it. <laughs> not quite I prefer the vegetables and potatoes I think <laughs> but, uh, that has brought us to the end of the show Kev I know we usually sign off uh, with a conversation but you always ruin it so I'm just going to say thanks for turning up yeah um, just like you said thank you to Lauren for coming on today um, our first female guest which is a landmark for us um, I'll speak for That's both awesome. of us thank you guys I really appreciate that <laughs> We even got a wolf then. Um, so yeah, we uh, we we've had, an awesome, we've had an awesome time. Uh, just before we go, I just want to give a shout out to Matt McCoy. Um, I was on his pod last week at the Fantasy Team Advice. I really enjoyed my first live stream. Um, so be sure to follow Matt at Matt McCoy, and that's M A C C O Y N F L. Awesome. So make sure you go follow Matt and make sure you go follow Lauren just to confirm to Twitter at Stepmom Lauren. Thanks again, Kev. And thanks again, Lauren. Thank you. Ta-da.